0: Hello and welcome to the Feminist Lens podcast brought to you by Women for Wanawake, hosted by me, Perestuo, and Nina Parker. Today we have a very special guest, Gloria Onitari. You'd have seen Gloria in The Taming of the Shrew as Catherine, and also as Gardenio in Women Beware Women. Uh, Christmas, uh, sorry, Ghost of Christmas Past in A Christmas Carol at the Old Vic, as one of the fates of Hades Town at The National. Yomi in, uh, sorry, uh, Gloria, I can't I can't pronounce <laughs> <laughs> no one can. <laughs> Kiaskuru. K- K- <laughs> Kiaskuru K- at the bush and also Nala at uh, Disney's The Lion King, Rachel Maron in the original cast of The Bodyguard, and much more. So, Gloria is also the founder of Letter to a Black Girl podcast, which is a podcast full of musings and roundtable discussion with the best of Black British women. It's really refreshing to have you here, Gloria. Um, because through your podcast you celebrate and you empower black women in the UK and you also provide a platform for black women to tell their story and their truth in a mainstream format, which is really important, particularly for me as a black woman myself, as we know that black women are often ignored and overlooked in society. So today's been, a, well not today, this week's been really interesting. Um, it started off um, being a very historic one in America where uh, f- justice was finally served for the unlawful killing of um, a black person at the hands of a police officer. So. Derek Shaven was convicted of murdering George Floyd on three separate counts: second, third degree murder, and unlawful manslaughter. George was a father, an uncle, a friend, and we send our love and respect to George Floyd's family. Though this is a very happy time, it's also a very emotional and sad time. It's taken this level of pain and sadness for justice. So systematic racism and oppression is rife, and this is just the beginning of the fight. So it's really good to have you again here, uh, Gloria, on today's to um- unpack racism in the UK. Unfortunately, uh, the day after the trial for George Floyd, Makai Bryant, a 15-year-old girl, was fatally shot by a police officer um, where she just called for help on Saturday, on Tuesday afternoon, sorry. And what started off as a very victorious week for Black Lives Matter in America has also ended as a sad one. Clearly, we have a long way to go. I'd also like to mention that today is Stephen Lawrence Day and Earth Day. So I'm just gonna head on, pass over to Nina.
1: Thank you so much, Paris, for that beautiful introduction. Also very, very sad and alarming, but there's so much we can do. And I'm very, very excited to hear from Gloria about all her thoughts of this week um, and what she's doing. So, Gloria, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Oh, gosh, uh, that's quite a broad question. What do you want to know? What are your, everything. What are your hopes and dreams? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I well, I'm an actress, um, obviously. As you said before, I've, you know, been um, kicking around in the entertainment industry for about 20 years now um, and, uh, yeah, doing lots of musical theatre and theatre and telly and film um, and stuff. So. Yeah, I've just sort of been busy doing that. I come from Bedfordshire, so you know I'm a regional black, um, you know, um, <laughs> like me. too. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I'm not. But having been in London for the last twenty years, there's a lot of London about me now as well. Do you know what I mean? But um, uh, but yeah, uh, just uh, I'm Nigerian of heritage of origin, so there's a lot of a lot of that inside of me and. Um, yeah, what else do you want to know?
1: <laughs> I suppose maybe tell us a little bit about your podcast. I know that Paris already introduced introduced it, but what made you start the podcast? What kind of
2: Yeah, good question. Um, so yeah, letter to a black girl. I guess, you know, we've all been in this lockdown and and um basically the first lockdown i i, I found a, like a whole load of poems that i'd written in a, a file on my computer called uh, the file was called the divorce chronicles and i was sort of like going through it because i'm divorced obviously and i was like oh i'd written all this poet all this poetry all these musings and stuff and found this poem i'd written called letter to a black girl and was like oh actually this is kind of quite good and um, thought okay why don't I just do something with a couple of mates you know whilst we're locked down um, and make a bit of art you know whilst we're stuck here and then the sort of George Floyd thing happened the Black Lives Matter stuff happened and I went into a bit of a hole you know for about two weeks crying every day like everyone else you know what I mean going through quite a lot of a lot of stuff coming back up a lot of stuff sort of yeah, lots of questions, and going through that alone as well, um, which was very tricky. And um, I suddenly thought when I was coming out of it, because I'm not really good at being in a hole, so I'm always like, okay, what's the solution? What am I gonna do? Do you know what I mean? And I sort of said to myself, well, how can I be of service? Um, you know, that's why I believe that I'm put on the earth to do, that's why I'm a performer, is to be of service somehow. And I was like, so well, how can I use the skills that I have to, to do something positive. And that it all sort of started kind of collided into one. I was like, well, that's it. You know, I'm a black woman and I know lots of black women and they're amazing. They're fucking amazing. And all this talk, you know, I get very fed up listening to talk about black people in relationship to trauma and neg- and difficulties and, you know, neg- and just negative stuff. And I was like, when I don't, when I see black people, think those things. I think amazing, bright, you know, funny, joyous, loud, you know, party, um, you know, I successful boss ladies, boss men, you know, stylish, uh, you know, just the whole load of it. Yes. I, that's what I think when I think of black people. So I was like, I need to create a space where we can like do a bit of that and come together as a group, because we don't get to celebrate each other enough when we're together, especially black women, black British women, because, you know, there's only ever a few of us in a space at a time, um, which means that we're not that visible to one another. We're not really aware of what everyone else is doing in all the different fields that there are of work, you know, in existence in the UK. But a lot of us are not aware of what we're doing, you know, um, unless that platform has been that door has been opened by by others, you know, in inverted commas. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I make that space? And that would be really encouraging for young black kids and women and black men and then, and others to just listen to these women and go, oh, my God, they are just like normal, you know, talk about sex, talk about families, talk about, you know, all sorts of food, clothes, you know, and then also the successes that they have, you know, and give them also the space to say what they want to say.
0: Yeah, and I think that's um, what I well, why I really like your podcast is, is you're a black woman telling black women stories because as a black woman myself, whenever I've seen black women being highlighted or celebrated, it's always, by a white person, namely a white man, a big producer somewhere in America or whatever. And, and particularly in the UK, at least we have like Tyler Perry, who, who showcases stories of black of black people. But again, he's a man. So I think it's really good to have you using your platform and your connections to, to speak to black women and, and share their stories. And um, just to go back on, you know, obviously being an actress and a singer, what how, how has it been in your industry being a black person? Like how, what challenges have you you had or have you had any? Yeah, I mean, look, the
2: the truth is, is it's the same as any industry. You know, if you're a minority in a country, you will find that your access to things is harder. So you have to work harder or there might not be as many places for you there. So you're gonna be fighting a bit more for fewer roles within something, you know? And I guess I started very young. So my experience, I was 17 when I started professionally. So my experience of sort of rising up and trying to work has been, I've been okay, you know? But then that's because I kind of keep my eyes blinkered. i I don't allow, I said this on my podcast the other day, my mum always said to me like, You've got to know what your obstacles are, know what they are, know them inside out, study them, but don't allow yourself to become consumed by them. Absolutely. So therefore, yeah, so therefore I knew that going in into an industry, which is really precarious, like my, my family are like, oh God, you're going to be Jester? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be Jester. They're like, gonna, why? We don't know Jester, do you know what I mean? We can't help you. But like, you know, for me, even though it was a tricky industry, to, it's a tricky industry to be in. Um, and knowing that it might be a bit harder for me, I just can't focus on that. You know, I just know that I want to tell stories. I like telling stories, whether that's singing them. You know, being funny. You know, you know, being on stage, being on screen. Like it, it doesn't matter. I just want to tell stories. And I think if you, if you really clue in and and, and dive in and, and connect to that in yourself. This is for anyone. You can do anything, because that's the fundamentally the, the truth. The truth is I wanna tell stories, and that's what people see when I walk into a room, I think. So I've always done it right but that's not to say that it's not a difficult industry to be in if you are non-white. It is um, if you're non-white and dark skinned, like I am, it's tough. You know, there have been lots of, you know, stereotypes and things, and I things have been planted onto me that I'm not necessarily wanted, but they are still valid stories. So I've told them because they're still valid stories to tell. Whether or not I think it represents me, that's another matter, you know? And I think that's what is being addressed or trying to be addressed right now Um, keep saying this as well because we're not a monolith black people so we all have different experiences and I think there needs to be yeah there needs to be a broader spectrum of of people being seen on screen so that people understand that there's a whole massive piece of the cake that they've not been eating and it's delicious
1: sounds delicious (laughs) Gloria (laughs) give me a slice (laughs) no but it's it's so true what you're saying it's very powerful and I think your your reference to stories and stories tell it storytelling telling one's own story is revolutionary revolutionary to yourself telling your honest truth as you said offline to us before we started the podcast like your real truth that is so powerful and I think um And then in terms of representation yes like whilst because i've grown up in london and have a a very like me and my friends all from different places uh we're mixed genders mixed race different all from different areas and things but all from london and i think um but then i have a very skewed um a very skewed vision i'd say of of equality because london has been um, I'm, again this is from a, a white woman's perspective in a very diverse school but it seemed like it was worse in other places so we don't think well it's worse you know it's worse in America it's worse outside of London but it's still bad in London and we think about London as the epicenter of creativity the fact that all these creative beautiful businesses are still not kind of representing the, the truth of people it's just we're all seeing we're all not seeing the truth and I think when, um, in terms of representation, so if, if there's like three women on in a film or five, it seems like a lot in film is, is one black woman. Why can't there be four black women and one white woman? Or like, why is it, it just seems like there's just not enough equality on our screen. So I think it's so amazing that you are kind of, You've chosen this path of storytelling, representation, and now you're doing activism as well. So it's just really inspiring.
2: Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, do you know what? But it's, no. But what you're saying is it's so it's true. There's not enough across the board. But like I do think that we've got to be careful because you know yes, we want to see it does. It should be anyone. Anyone should be able to do anything. You know if they're right for a role, cast them in it. You know, if it works, cast a minute. But I also don't think it's wrong to have three white women and one black woman because that is a real experience. That was my experience growing up. Mm-hmm. I was the only black girl in my year at school for seven years. So it makes sense. Like my two best girlfriends from the age of 14 are both white and we're a trio and it's the three of us. So. It does make sense for that to exist, but we've just got to have it. It there needs to be a broader spectrum, so we see it, it going, you know, see everything in different guises across the board, so that that's not it's not one isolated, it's not the only, and that's the issue. It's not we don't want that it to be that, but we just want it also to be this stuff too, and I think that that it's important to remember that, and I think it's important for people when they're talking about race and equality and all of that stuff that nobody's saying we don't like what is. What we're saying is what is is great, but we want more. Mm -hmm. Because there's a fear when you're told, I think, you know, I put myself as an empath into the position of people who think that they're doing all right. And it's like you said, not that bad. It's not that bad in London. They go, oh, but, So you want us to take that away. And they feel like something's been taken away from them when people are saying to them, oh, there's not enough for us. But they think that that means we have to give up what's happening already. And that's not it. It's just, can we just make more space? Exactly, thank you. Thank you
1: for that incredible answer. This is the thing. So our next question, um, we could uh, really want to unpick that too. Maybe we can unpick that again in another question. Uh, But our third question for you, Gloria is, um, so obviously with the recent Murder by, I mean, we're going to call it murder. They haven't been convicted yet, but let's say, okay, unlawful killing of uh, McKay Bryant just recently. And then Traven Traven Martin, Mike Brown, Dante Wright, Mark Duggan, Stephen Lawrence, Breonna Taylor. The list goes on of people in the UK and America who lost their lives as a result of police brutality. Um, So many young black men and women have lost their lives. So why do you think people are so outraged about all of this? And that's quite a... Uh, quite a quite generalised question but what I really want to ask and what we really want to ask you Gloria is your take on this maybe to any listeners um, who are also black um, or mixed heritage who would want to maybe see your opinion how you've dealt with this um, and what you think.
2: Why are people so outraged? Well I mean it's obvious isn't it? It's just you know there's different levels to look at it. You've got Police who are supposed to be, who are paid and by us, paid, pay, pay, you know, by literally us, by the citizens, are um, there to protect. That's, that's what we're taught, that they're there to protect us. And that's anyone, you know. So if you see police just killing people and not de escalating before they're killing, that's worrying. So you've got that at one level. It's like, how have we got sort of governments and then a police government? Like what kind of world are we living in? What When we talk about democracy, what is this? You know, um, we don't have a military government, but it feels like if police can just shoot anyone down dead whenever they feel like it, and then not be held accountable for taking the life of somebody or using too much force or too much aggression to, that injures somebody. You know, the number of times we've also heard of people who, you know, have had their arms broken, you know, by being handcuffed and held down. And do you know what I mean by police? It's like, well, look, if you're taking somebody into custody, you're taking someone into custody. That's different to killing people. And so, there's that, which is how are we meant to feel safe if the people that are meant to keep us safe are capable and able to commit? Um, and whether or not it's willful or known or you know malicious, most of the time I don't think it is. But the fact that they hold the power to be able to do that That's worrying, that's worrying. And that needs to be addressed. So there's that level, which is just simply, let's just discuss what police brutality is and police power. And then you have the next level, which is, but why is it that it seems that it's always, you know, people who are non-white that seem to be the ones that are suffering and losing their lives early because of this kind of force and aggression and there's outrage there because obviously it's you know it's discrimination um and it's it's a taught it's um we're all victims of it you know my my take on it is is that we're all victims we're all part of this really really messed up system that goes back donkeys and donkeys of years and is in our cultures, in our genes a little bit, do you know what I mean? Like, and we've all been brought up in it and there's a whole chunk of white people, I think, who somewhere deep down inside don't know why they have a fear of black people. Mm -hmm. They don't understand it themselves, Mm -hmm. but it's a subconscious thing, they have a, a natural, fear of the bodies of black people I I don't get it because I know black people are soft and gentle and probably the gentlest people that I know to be honest but there is a fear there and so then when predominantly those people who might carry that inside of them somewhere, not knowing how or why it got there. Some yeah. people, of we know obviously that they are outwardly, it's openly racist and blah, blah, blah. There are some people who just don't know that they're carrying this thing. Mm. And then they're in law enforcement and then they're wandering around with guns. Mm. You know, that's a problem. Mm. So I guess in a way, you know, because this is quite a broad question that you've asked me, you know, it's it's, people are outraged because they don't feel safe that's what it is fundamentally and it's everyone yeah it's everyone it's not just black people everyone is questioning people who grew up and live in a democracy are questioning why they don't feel safe how it is that we were brought up to believe that this institution is there to protect us, but clearly isn't. And also the double layer
0: is, and they just kill black people like that. Yeah, and I remember I was talking to some friends at the beginning of last year when the Black Lives movement went crazy just because of what happened to George Floyd. and somebody was saying, but why are we so upset about George Floyd though? Because as Nina read out the name, there's been a number of people and you know, Stephen Lawrence has been 28 years. Why, Why? because I I can't even explain it, Gloria, why I'm so upset about what happened with George Floyd. More. Well, a, it's, well, it's obvious. I heard. I'm well, like- it's
2: obvious, no. Well, it's it's not that you're more upset about George Floyd. It's mm-hmm. not that it's because it's a compound, it's compounding because that was, you know, a lynching live on television that we were all watching, and that one was one of the gross. most
1: disturbing videos. I like.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's mm-hmm. that's why yeah. that's why you were outraged because it was like it wasn't like a video from the day yesterday, a couple of seconds of something, or just a little you know newspaper article. It was nine, t- t- nearly ten minutes of literally watching somebody. Yeah. Die. And most people have never seen someone die. So that's why it was so out, like it-
1: He was I've begging, never, he was begging. For his then, life,
2: calling yeah. for his mum. There's so yeah. much, and it, and I think the outrage there was that it was, it, what it meant was, it wasn't that George's death, and it isn't that George's death was more important than any of the others. It was just that it was the moment that we all went, enough is enough. enough. Because it was, this is too... Like, we're already fighting, we're already fighting to be heard about this. We're already, we've are already. we already been saying this, but now you guys, you don't want to list that. You've all seen it now, and now none of you can sit there and pretend that what we've been saying to you all this time is we're making it up, because it. look at that 10 minutes. And I think for me, I don't know about you, but the way I dealt with that, George's death and people calling me saying, Oh, were you coming marching I said no Mm because this ain't my problem yeah this is your problem so you need to go out and fix it because we've been saying this for time Mm -hmm. and I don't need to I live this so I don't need to change anything that I'm doing I need to keep doing what I'm doing which is just trying to live my life you on the other hand have not been doing
0: anything about this so enough is enough I've actually got goosebumps from you saying that because that's I think I had that knee-jerk reaction where I just went um I went to the protest and and I think I probably should have, and that's something that I'm gonna think about telling people, uh particularly my white friends, like, you know, if you're really about it, then you know, be there. Like like Rihanna said, you know, if your friends are really upset and whether pull up, like, you know, and don't ask me, uh, which Nina's been very good. she hasn't asked me like. What's it like to be? She's like, oh, I've got this book or I'm reading this. You know, so our white friends don't ask me because I'm not a poster child for a black women. You know, as I say, we have very different experiences. So if you're white and you really care, you need to go out there and, and educate yourself. And that's really the most important thing. And that's the way you show us support and solidarity that you're mm-hmm. you're interested. It's not just a tick box. It's like this unconscious bias crap that we have to deal with at work, which makes me so, so angry. Um, yeah, but also, you know, the thing is, is about the books, you know, people are saying to me, oh,
2: You you know you should listen to this person speak about this. You know I was listening to this podcast and this person was talking about. I said I don't need to listen actually to other black people talking about the problems in relationship. I don't need to. That's for you. Mm. This stuff is being made for you. So I don't need to do that. Mm. I already know what it is. I live it. So you know (laughs) we live it. So it's like there's no point. You know, and I think when we talk about George's death and the world, everyone's seeing it, it's because like, I think fundamentally it comes down to the length of time. Yeah, nine and minutes isn't it? or 10 minutes. Yeah. The length of time and so the fact a- that no one was able to go to work and do their other things and be distracted. We were all, the entire world was pretty much on lockdown, sitting in their houses, being forced to watch this thing, which was like torture because it was 10 minutes. And so, after you've been forced to do that, how are you meant to react other than the way that people reacted?
0: Yeah. I know.
1: It was interesting because there was it was a young woman I think she was about sixteen who filmed it. Mm-hmm. So there was a crowdfund that um, was supporting her and her protection because if that if that video if his if the murder of George's death his murder hadn't been caught on camera he this police officer would still be in the force today, and so I think this is the power of social media the power that phones have given have given young women black young black women young black men basically kind of levelling that power structure. So I I feel very positive about social media for all of its wrongs. I think if this is why we can now capture these moments of such people who you're meant to be protecting the police, Mm -hmm. acting the most criminal, the most criminal.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I think you're right, especially about that social media, because I think that that is, you know, watching people get their phones out and go to the police, like they're policing the police themselves. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about when you were saying what you know what this is all about. And I was like, well, do you think we've got to be careful because it's way more nuanced than sometimes I think people I- I express it, you know. And I'm like, it's we're talking about two things, so that this can be a universal thing. It, you know, so what you know when people get really upset and they're like, all lives matter. I'm like, all right, calm oh, down, calm okay. down. You know we're saying black lives matter as well that's what we're saying they matter too and you know as well as yours and what we're saying is this universally here the police are there to, to protect us all they're supposed to de-escalate and help us all live in harmony together that's what they're meant to do that that that's what the police are meant to do help us to live in harmony with one another so that we're not f- fighting each other, but that's not what they've been doing. And so now it's we're saying, you are not stepping up to what we pay you to do. We want you there. I want to be able to pick up the phone and ring 999 and call the police and get you guys to come and help me if I need your help. I want that to be a true thing. And I want that to be like that for everyone else so that we can all live in harmony with one another. But if you're not pulling your weight, there's a problem. And now we get our phones out and we police you too, and we say, well, you have to be held accountable for the way that you're treating me right now or my neighbor right now, or that guy across the street as I was just going to get my flat white. I'm going, what's going on over there? So I'm gonna come and police you because we know that you are not living up to what
0: your manifesto is supposed to be. That's how I see it. Yeah, and I think that's the way people should should see it because they are there to serve us and to do a job. Yeah. Us, and no matter whether you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever, so you know this should be a problem which i think that's what you're trying to say it's everyone's problem it's not ju- just because you're not black doesn't mean exactly it's not problem just because you're not asian doesn't mean- just because you're not white doesn't mean it's it's all our problem because there's a fundamental issue there's like a it's like a parasite it's like a disease in this institution because we-, we also know that they are very sexist towards women we we also saw in um uh, I may destroy you how they treat women uh, as a result of rape and and also men gay men gay black men how interesting it's funny that it's, it's it's a gay black man that was you know dismissed when he said he was raped because he he had sex with that guy once and so it is absolutely ridiculous but on a relate kind of a related point is because in the meat so it's again about media and protection and treating everybody equally is about in the last couple of weeks, or maybe months, we've seen a lot of coverage about black women being five times more likely to die in childbirth than their white counterparts. So me and you, Gloria, don't have a chance compared to Nina, if we, uh, and um, particularly there's no beds in the hospital at the moment. and. Um, and so many things came up about that. So the fact that, A, um, why, why are we in the UK dying from childbirth? Both of us coming from Africa, we know just that so many women lose their lives, but that's not because of they're not treated well, it's because of the lack of resources. So and, and also them having to walk five hours to a hospital because they live in a rural place. Um, what is the role of doctors? What the hell is this about? And then also the fact that Rochelle Humes from the Saturdays, they felt was best placed to present this story as a mixed race woman who is in a pop band um, rather than um, Candice uh, Braithwaite who's a dark-skinned woman Mm -hmm. with a black husband. I'm sure she had a white husband that again, they might have let her say something and black children. So said a lot there, but what was your take on that? Because I'm outraged because I was always, I'm looking forward to having children. I really want children, but now I'm thinking, hmm. Should I go to Africa? Should I go to Kenya and have my baby? Because I probably have a better chance than I would here. So what's your take? I mean,
2: I mean, it's dark, isn't it? There's so many things you can think about it. It's it's dark because. The, <laughs> You know, I, I guess there's one thing is the sadistic side of my brain, which just goes, they just don't want any more black babies on this planet. That's what it is. Um, you know, and then Wait, I laugh it's... that off. Well, I know. No. But then I laugh that off because I'm like, come on, girl, That's actually just ridiculous. Um, you know, I have a, my dad is, is in medicine. So and you know, this is we have discussed this and I I very openly sort of expressed to him at one point that, you know, look, Black women and going to the doctors in general is just always shit. I don't ever really trust my my GP to do what I want them to do for me when I know being a doctor's daughter that there's stuff that's wrong. You know, and I'll give you an example. So, you know, I had this fibroid a couple of years ago. Again, something that we don't talk about. Black women are most likely to suffer from fibroids more than anybody else on the planet. Most black women I speak to say, I've had one too. They're hideous, awful things that make you very unwell. And yet there's really not much treatment for them at all. It's not been, you know, and it doesn't really get discussed. And it's interesting that it's predominantly black women that suffer from them. And then yet that, again, black women are dying in childbirth. Another thing, which is around a gynecologic, you know, gynecological area, it's not yeah so you know put two and two together it's like okay we just don't seem to care about black women's health in that way which is what that's how it comes across it's not true because if you ask doctors how they feel about their patients they'd be very upset like my dad was very upset when I was telling him all this stuff because that's not what they want it to be but fundamentally when it comes down to medicine that we're they're taught on a you know, they are taught particular kind of medicine. They're not taught about how to see meningitis rash on black skin. I was taught how to take a glass and put it up against skin and to to look at the rash to see if it disappears. But the thing, me, I was taught that. But that's not how it's going to be on my kind of skin. But that's what we've been taught. So if you think about it, the doctors are—they're not thinking I don't believe that they're thinking or oh, we don't want to care for these people again it's there's about another... shock
1: as well they teach us if you go if you go pale and your lips go
2: blue but um, yeah.
1: if you're black your lips aren't necessarily going to go blue no so in terms of other people trying to help others who see something happening I might not know the signs that Paris is having a serious shock let's hope it's just a panic attack but you know because you're not taught, taught the we're sign. not
2: taught it and it's and so again again I think it's again we're all victims again of a particular thing is I, I just think of something that is from day gone, days that have gone by. And that's what needs to evolve and change, so that you know this doesn't happen. But the thing about the fibroid, just going back to that quickly, was that I knew I had had this issue, and I'm very good with my body, and I knew that there's something wrong. I thought it was like a little knot. Started to get bigger. I went to get a, a, a stomach massage, an abdominal massage, and the lady really it. She was like, "No, darling, it's not a knot. It's fibroid." And I was like, "What's that?" And she was like, And it's really big and I was like, oh shit. And I knew that it was, I knew it was bad. So I said to myself, right, go to Harley Street. I went to Harley Street, I went to a private clinic. I went and got my own private ultrasound. Yeah, ladies like, yeah, you've got a fibroid. I took my ultrasound to the GP to say, I have a fibroid. So I diagnosed myself, I'd done the work and I showed, and I said, so I need help with this. I need to see a specialist. Do you see what I did there? Because I didn't trust going straight to my GP to have my GP fill my stomach and go, oh, I think it might be this. I knew that when I went there, I had a feeling she wasn't gonna believe me when I said it. I fundamentally felt like I was gonna go to my GP and when I told her that I was in pain, or that i had the fibroid or i had this she wasn't going to believe me and that is what it comes down to with black women and medicine in this country and i know it's in the states as well but in this country is that they don't trust that when they tell doctors that they have a problem that they're going to listen so when a black woman says i'm in pain which is what's been going on with the childbirth situation something's not right I'm in pain. They don't listen. They don't believe them until it's too late. And a lot of these stories that we've heard, it's been like, they could have done something earlier. That baby was breached, but they didn't check properly because they didn't believe. When the lady said she was in pain, then she had the baby, she bled out. They don't listen. And that is why, it's like, why are they not listening to black people who are saying, black women, that something's not right? And then also I think there's a lot of black women who don't say something's not right. Completely. Because they don't believe that the, when they say it, they're gonna be believed.
0: Mm.
2: Like my example that I just gave you. Mm. And that's therein lies the problem. Trust. And everybody keeps saying the same thing about this vaccine. Why aren't the ethnic minority you know, the non white people taking it? It's because they don't trust.
0: Yeah.
1: I've just looked up a statistic because I was thinking whilst you were talking, Gloria, because I've a few friends, a few friends, one of my closest friend is a nurse and she, yeah. she's British Jamaican and we haven't spoken about this. Um, and I thought just because Samara's is a nurse, I hope she wouldn't mind me saying, just because Samara's is a nurse, I thought, okay, the NHS is, is diverse, like they have a diverse nurse force. And I... Or doctors and nurses made up in the NHS. I thought it was across the country. It was diverse. That's my that's my ignorance. My my white. That's ignorance your no. That's lens. your
2: living in London.
1: Living in London lens. Yeah. And yeah. so I just looked it up, and it says that. Um, so this is according to the government's website, ethnicityfactsfigures.services.gov. That seventy-seven point nine percent of all NHS staff um, are white, and so that then really is telling because if you're not like not telling it shouldn't be telling but that is obviously not (laughs) you're not going to get the best service like it's yeah yeah
2: and and, and a lot and a lot of and, and not just that a lot of it all harkens down to a really close friend of mine Daniel always talks about what is there from back in the day that's been carried that we don't even know is in us we don't even know that we carry these prejudices or these ways of thinking and it's about you know, linking the deaths of black women, um, you know, in childbirth to the shooting of black people or the killing or the aggressive force used against black bodies, black bodies, black women's bodies dying. It's about, let's go through back into history. They can take it. Completely, I wanted to say that actually, yeah. Yeah, that they can take it. So it's like, you know, uh, uh, It's that whole, oh, you're a strong woman. Like, black women hate it when people say that to them. Like, it's like just... I don't want to be strong. Today, exactly. I'm, ti- today I'm tired, I'm yes. weak, I don't want to be strong. You know, why? do I, sometimes if I'm strong, I'll tell you when I'm strong, but don't tell me that I'm strong. And it's like, why do you always assume that I'm strong? So then there's this whole thing of like black, young black girls bodies don't need protecting in the same way. Like, you know, you can manhandle us in a way that you couldn't manhandle a young white girl. You would never do that. You know what I mean? So they talk about that in mental health, where you have a black woman having an episode. They'll have four men jump on her to, to try and manhandle her down. A bit like George Floyd having an ep- whatever, he's having an episode because he doesn't want to get in a car because he's claustrophobic. You have four policemen, you know, three policemen holding him down when he's handcuffed and blah, blah, blah. But if that was a white person, it wouldn't happen. Their bodies, for some reason, are more fragile. There's yeah. a sense that they're more fragile, I think. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't think it's at the front of people's minds. I don't think it's necessarily maliciously thought. There's just something that we're all carrying that, you know, and I think as black people, we also feel like as well, I've done it myself. That I have to be strong. Yeah. I have to present myself in a particular way that says I'm unbreakable mm-hmm. because of the stuff. So we're all part of, it's the all the yeah. nasty, dirty little narrative story. It's horrid, it's the worst story.
0: Yeah.
2: And we don't realize that we're all part of it and we're all feeding it. And the only way for us to get out right now, I keep talking about the age of Aquarius, is to start a new volume of humanity, which is what I think we're doing. Because people keep saying this is a new chapter. I'm like, I don't want a new chapter, because that's gonna be the same old, same old, same old shit that we're gonna be carrying from the previous chapters into this one. I'm like, let's just close the volume and open up a new volume with a big old fresh page and start from there. Start with what we have. Start with what we all think now, not what we've been carrying. And I think a lot of that stuff is what's been carried from slave trade through middle passage, through to, do you know what I mean? And it's fears on both sides. It's fear and
0: defence and armour on both sides. Yeah, yeah, completely. And just before we go to the next question, just a quick point um, about mental health, because that's going to be a really big part of what's going to come out of lockdown for everybody, but particularly black people because of them being frontline workers getting hit by covid more and obviously being in, in poor not everybody obviously but in in poverty
2: mm-hmm. and i
0: started thinking about um and then i so re, as the start at the start of um covid i actually started doing therapy and i remember what Good. And, and yeah and cuz i was like god i need it and um and then i also thought when i'm explaining to my therapist about like my upbringing and ask you about what your upbringing made you that, or what do you think has contributed to why you feel this way and I'm trying to explain to her my African heritage and like and she's just like oh that must have been really sad for you I'm like not really because if I talk to Gloria I know if we talked about mums and what you're supposed to do and the expectations that's just normal but for her she feels like that's really sad for me and then I started to think actually it's really important that I actually get a black therapist because I'm having to always explain things you know like my mum's the kind of person, she's very supportive. But if, I, if I'm if i upset, she's like, nope, get on with it. You'll be fine, be strong. And she's like, oh, that must really affect you. And I'm like, mm, that's every black child all over the world. That's just how we're raised. And there's no, and so she doesn't get me. So I spend about half an hour trying to explain why I'm like this when I really do need a black person, man or woman, who's going to be able to be like, okay, I get that. And how does that make you feel? And mm. unpack that for me. So I think also as much as I don't wanna be like, oh, you have to go to a black person because you're black, you have to go to a white person because you're white. But I think something as big as therapy, trying to unpack the way you are and your experiences and your trauma, you do need to have someone who understands where that derives from. Yeah. And who's lived it.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's good to go to somebody that looks like you and ask for help, you know? And you can do that now. You think about being back in 1950s America, or even in this country, there really there weren't black doctors there to, for you to go and just chat to, you know, female female, you know, go find that black female gynecologist. You know, that's what we should, as black women, that to stop this death situation. You know, just I'm just thinking about that. We should be like, because that's what I did with my fibroid. I had a black specialist and said, Uncle, please, I scar. You know. That's all I had to say to him, Paris. Nina, now you might not understand that, but as a black woman, okay. Paris knew exactly what I meant. Yeah, when yeah. I said, "Oh, I scar," you know, and it's I was, only doing. And he said, "It's gonna be small, small, and I'll make it look really good." And I was like, "Thank you, <laughs> please, Uncle." He got it because, it, you know, for black women, when we scar, like some of us, we just get really, really dark mark. Like it yeah. can raise, and it's just like it's just horrid. And he totally got it. Now I know that I might not have been able to say that to a white doctor to understand that in the same way. And you've seen Paris, I'm sure you might have seen Nina. There was a woman that went and had surgery done. I think she was in America and she needed her hair done.
0: Yes, the doctor, yes, the gorilla goo girl, yeah.
2: Yeah, the gorilla goo girl. And he did cornrow for her and her <laughs> like, and did her hair up nice and tight. Like, you know, that's very special. So yeah, it's the same Paris you're going, having therapy with somebody that understands those little nuances without you having to yeah. constantly be explaining them from scratch, which is exhausting. You can then get to the bottom of what you're there for, which is to find out what's troubling you. You're not not just, well, you see, when I go to bed, um, I have my headscarf on and exactly. black hair. We have to have headscarf mm-hmm. on because you know the oil comes out and I, and then that's taken that's taken up ten minutes of your yeah. your the time that you're that- paying the therapist to tell the therapist to explain to the therapist about what black hair is. That's why we need <laughs> more like I may destroy you. We we need more like blacks
1: like black directors directing and actors this is the thing so i'm saying yes they're there but they're not shown enough on tv because if you don't because if you don't have a black best friend you might not know about the wrap of the hair that you wear at night to protect your hair yeah so it's so important like the creative industry is so influencing to culture and to change
2: it is it's really important and you know i i want to be really hopeful with this and, and and you know send people out with loads of hope because you know with we're doing the work we are doing the work and the people are there, they're writing the things. The people are there that they are starting to produce and they're, you know, starting to direct. On my podcast in a couple of um, weeks, I've got, you know, Sheila Nortley who is directing and producing. She's, you know, producing um, four new TV things for Sky and like, I think two projects for Netflix, wow. you know, and she's working on one right now Amazing. and she's, she's producing it and she's like, uh, directing um, block two. So it, this stuff is happening. It's it's gonna, but it's gonna take time because it has to be made. Um, so you have to you know, like, forgive us because we've got to make this stuff, then we've got to edit it. So it, you won't see it for the next, until maybe late next year, next summer maybe. It take you know, so there's gonna be that little gap where you feel like things haven't changed or they mm-hmm. haven't shifted, but they are, they are shifting. And we want to tell these stories you know we want to share this stuff um, about this stuff but i do think in relationship to paris's thing about the mental health stuff you know for everyone it's going to be hard coming out of this lockdown you don't know what people are being through Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you don't know so we've all got to be very kind to each other because not everyone's going to want Mm -hmm. to talk about what they've been through Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um and some people might be acting out in ways where you're like, this person is, you know, uh, it's difficult to be around, but it might be because they're not able to manage some of the stuff that they've been through over the last year. Mm. You just don't know. Mm. So I think it's really important that, (laughs) I'm laughing because I, I use this all the time But it's compassion and empathy We, must-
1: we say that loads as well We say that loads <laughs> and- Love here, it's all love Yeah we
2: must, but we do But I really mean it as this, like a genuinely like, serious thing We must have compassion and empathy Like You can't be angry with that person That's a bit funny on the tube You can't be holding that stuff against that person on the bus That was a, a bit nasty to you Or a bit sharp with you Let it go Mm. Let it go because you just don't know what people have been through, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How many people that they've lost
0: mm-hmm.
2: weren't able to bury properly or say goodbye to properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or how? Or who has been on their own throughout all of this. I said that to you that going through all this Black Lives Matter stuff, there's lots of people who've been managing and channeling that by themselves. Mm. So compassion and empathy. That's all I can say. Yeah.
0: Completely. Nina, do you have the next question?
1: So yes, Gloria, I wanted to ask you um about the so the race report, which is absolutely shambolic. The UN has weighed in and said that this is an absolute disgrace. Basically telling the UK government, can you please reject this? And the UN isn't perfect in and of themselves, but to, from the UN to so many kind of everyone working in the field to activists to just anyone reading it, it is absolute bullshit that's what I personally think anyway but what did you think about the race report did you read it and what were your thoughts as a as a black woman in the creative industry you know
2: I mean look I didn't read it because again I didn't read it either but this, like you know you gloss it you get you, you, you see, get you get you you know, it's like, they say this thing on the news and then you go, well, of course they said that, you know. Listen, fundamentally, if you're living, if you're alive, you know what the truth is. So you're you're either gonna accept that report because if you're living, if you're alive, you will know what the truth is. Let's just, let's all just be honest about it. We all know what the truth is. Um, Now that report is there for certain people it's there for to make certain people feel better about themselves so that they can continue doing the things that they're doing. That's what it's there for. I, I always knew that report was going to come back out like that. I was like, of course they're going to say that. But let's break it down again and let's make it more nuanced because what they did was they got very, very smart people to do this report. Very bad enough. You know, they got, you know, but what they did was, was they, there's this thing. Is the UK institutionally racist? That's what they were asking, that's the question. Is the UK institutionally racist? Now, if you get together a group of very smart human beings, and even if they are predominantly non-white as well, but they're super brains, they're smart, they're gonna answer the question. The question is, is the UK institutionally racist? So they're talking about institutions. They're talking about policies. They're gonna look at policy. They're gonna go, is the UK, is it written that when you come here, that if you're non-white that things should be difficult for you? And the answer is no, that is not written. The answer is in policy, there is nowhere it's written where it says you must be discriminate against black people, Asian people, non-white british people there's nowhere that that's written and they've been very smart and they've come back and have said so therefore it's not it's not true but what we know is is it's more nuanced than that and that actually it's about the fact that people who run the institutions unfortunately some known some unknown to themselves have racial bias and so what happens within these institutions is that because of their racial bias, people who are non-white tend not to do as well or get the opportunities that white people get because of that, which makes it look like, and it become institutional racism. And that is what's happened. That's what's happened with this report. That's what they've done. And it stinks because what you're fundamentally doing is saying to all the like non-white people who are British, who've struggled, who've had a hard time, that what they've experienced isn't true. It's like the ultimate, the most ultimate gaslighting Mm. that I've ever, ever, ever seen. And they employed
1: a black man to present the report and Kerry Badenoch, a black MP, to then uh, present the report in the House of Commons.
2: Exactly, because they just, uh, to just gaslight us all. Yeah, And it's rubbish. And to say that, you know, that educationally, that non-white children do better in school I mean, that's not a surprise. Mm. Are you telling me something that I already know? Mm. But that's because children of immigrants, our cultures back, you know, our heritage cultures are always about education. Like, Mm. you must be smart. It's like, you know, you go, as Nigerian, it's like, you need four PhDs and then you're successful. Like, that you get one and they go, okay, when's the next one? You know, (laughs) you're not master yet. You're not this, it's all about that. So you've got to get, but then what happens? then what happens so I do all of that I do all of that work right this is like a imagine me I I get all my degrees I do work really hard I get the highest grades and then I go out into the workforce and I go into the institutions and for some reason the ladder that I was told that I if you start climbing and you look to the top the summit of the ladder there's the the ultimate goal right you just start climbing that ladder and each step will you'll be you'll there'll be uh uh-uh but hang on a minute, I've done two, but why are there six rungs missing? And I can see four rungs at the top, but there's six rungs missing in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that is what happens to non-white people in this country. And so if the institution is the ladder, that, it's that stage there. So you can either be the people right at the top who made that report, who are sitting and hanging up there, or you can be the sort of two or three people or those two rungs on those two or three rungs and never really try, even though you're capable. And so what I keep saying to people, I've had to do these, God, so many Zoom calls about this kind of stuff is put the rungs back in place. Mm. That's all people are asking for. No one is asking to be just put at the top. It's the, the solution is not oh there are too many white people running companies so we've just got to take all the leaders of the companies out and replace them with mm. black people or non white people that's not the answer that what people are asking for is the ability to just live freely and climb their ladder and and ascend rightfully so you know at their own will and at their own rate and when it's when it's supposed to be and not have that stuff taken out and yeah. not, not, not have the opportunity. That's all people are asking for, which is everyone's going on about equity and everyone's going on about equality. I'm like, sod that, I don't want any of that. I just want liberation.
0: Yeah, amen, completely. And so on that note, <laughs> um, I feel, so there's two questions in, in one, but uh, the final one is, um, what do you think it will take to see women in leadership positions that you can empower, because you talked about leadership positions, and then if you had a magic wand, but wearing that hat, how would you change the world through a feminist lens? Because obviously you are promoting women, you're empowering women, you're using your leadership position in your industry to empower women. So what's that hat, and then how would you change the world through a feminist lens? Big question, sorry, Gloria, but we know you can handle it, so. So what was the first question again, first just so i get it right? The first one is, what do you think it will take for us to see Women, black women in leadership and black women in, in, in big pay, which is what you're starting to do, but you can't which do it on what your you own. Are. Yeah, yeah, which is what you are. You can't do it on your own. And secondly, if you had a magic wand, how would you change the world through a feminist lens?
2: Okay, so I think what would it take to see black women in leadership? I think for me, black women just need to just take the leadership. I think, I think stop asking for permission to be what you are. And I say that to everyone, like that's not, it's like, it's a very British thing that we've got going on here, which is, you know, culturally where we sort of tiptoe around and say, well, I think I'd like, uh, you know, I wonder if, and you know, like Americans always do this thing, like whenever you're learning an American accent, it's a really great way to do this. It's like, you go into a coffee shop, right? And like an American, a New Yorker will just go in and say, I'll take two coffees a british person will go oh well um well i think um would it be would it possibly be okay if um well i'm not sure oh yes um yes uh, there, there'll it's be it's all good. this <laughs> procrastination beforehand whereas they're just like i'll take this we it's in our nature to 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 want to be polite and to to sort of dance around things a little bit and not you know want to sort of like steamroll people i think that's in our cultural nature And I would say that, unfortunately, that's not gonna help non-white people. You know, even though there's lots of us who are British non-white, who culturally went to these schools, we have that in us, but it's not gonna help us in the big, wide world. So you have to get off your ass and do it. If you decide you have an idea, and you wanna try something, try it. Because it might be shit, it might not work but my philosophy is is have a go and if it's not alright, do something else but just do it and don't ask permission stop trying to knock on doors where the environment is not particularly con- like there for you it's not set for you you know and to be honest when you do get in there you don't like it anyway so why don't you just keep- go and do your own thing and start inviting the people that you want to be with you with you and you'll see it grow you'll see it grow and i think you know it's all talking about what it would it take to see these black women in these positions let me be a bit picky about that question let's pick it apart what would it take to see these black women in these positions which suggests that there are actually black women in these positions the problem is is the lack of visibility. And the lack of visibility of these women who are running businesses, business leaders, big old business leaders, Dr. Yvonne Thompson, big old business leader, the best in this country. She's like the Michelle Obama of the UK, but she's not visible to the right kinds of people. So, you know, I've made her visible on my, my, my you know podcast this season, but that's what it's about. What will it take to see these people in these positions, to see them, because they are there, and they need support. And the more support that we can give them, the more visible they're going to become. We have to create that space. We have to, as the people supporting them, create that space. And the more we do that, the more that's going to encourage young people coming up to then also get involved, do you know what I mean? That's what I believe.
0: yeah. And what was the second question? If oh my God. Magic- <laughs> no, that was a really good answer. If you had a magic wand, how would you change the world through a feminist lens?
2: Oh, God. Well, I go. first of all, I'd like to say I don't like to describe myself as a feminist. Well, that's okay. It's okay. And oh, I, well, we I-
0: can have a whole massive conversation. Yeah. I'll <laughs> yeah. invite
2: you back, Gloria. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Well, I would say that because- I'd love to invite you back. <laughs> yeah, but I say as I fe- I don't like to describe myself as a feminist because I feel, I don't like labels. Right. Um, because I think labels are very dangerous mm-hmm. because they, they leave you open for interpretation of other people about what you are. So I think it's really important to be specific about what you are so that no one gets confused, especially when you're non-white because people tend to always go down the negative path in relationship to when you say that. So they'll go, she's feminist, then she's black, she's definitely angry and she's, right. probab- and she's probably a lesbian. <laughs> like they will, like, but they will layer, they will layer all this stuff onto you. Reaching. And I just think, exactly. And so I think I've always learned that mm-hmm. to get through life to the 36, almost 37 years that I'm at, the best thing to do when you're in spaces with people is be very clear about what you are about, who you are. So when you say feminist, I think there's so many different factions that come underneath that title. There are so many different types of feminists, different types of feminism. It's not the same as it was in the 80s when it was all really sort of kicking off. So I like to say that I am a supporter of the women's movement. Right.
0: So how would you change? So if you had a magic, yeah. So if you and had so, a wand, but not as a yeah. Let's as, adapt. As a the question, yeah. No,
2: it. no. And so, no, no. And it's so. I'm saying that as part of the answer mm-hmm. because perfect. A supporter of the women's movement. And so, if I had a magic wand. I would say. It doesn't look much more different, than it does already today. Right. Okay. Because because I think that women are already free. They just need to let themselves be free and stop asking for permission.
0: That's what I think. That's very interesting actually. And I think that's definitely something for us to consider because I I haven't never looked at it that way. We're already free.
2: We're already free. We're all free. The problem is, is, is like, Who? Why do we always say that that person is stopping me from doing this? Mm -hmm. Why do we always say they're in charge? I can't. That's crap. Mm. Who? The own? There's the the planet is gonna decide when we're like humanity doesn't exist anymore. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. The sun, the moon, and the planet are the only things that really truly decide what you can and can't do. Mm. So I would say, you know, when you say, "Does it look any different?" I'm like. It doesn't look any different, but I think people will be free, they'll be free. They will be, they will be released of this sort of like, in this personal cage. Cause I don't think that we can, I don't think we'll change unless we let our own selves out of those cages. The responsibility is Take on principles. you. You have to, in you have to us. be accountable for yourself. And not, you know, everybody else is like, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's like, I have to do it. And if I do it, it will encourage somebody else to do it. Yeah. And somebody else to do it. And then we're all then in a, di- we're all doing the same thing, but we're just doing it on at a different frequency. Do you know what I mean? That, that yeah. empathy and compassion that you spoke about too,
1: Gloria, that is just, that is earth moving and world changing.
2: I think so, because As that's well. it. And to also accept that when you're looking at other people, it's like, I'm not angry. And when I say, oh, you know, I think, take responsibility for yourself and have account you know accountability look at yourself there's no anger in there there's mm. loads of compassion because like lots it's it's hard mm. I'm not saying that's easy I'm not saying that's easy at all but I think the change can only ever start with
0: you yeah amen that's really and if think, if, yeah. if you're not living it then
2: why yeah, should somebody
0: cool. else change you know? Exactly. Yeah, and that's what we've seen with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've come out now and people are saying, no, enough is enough. So I guess that's that's t- I can connect that more like easy in terms of saying, you know, people have just said, we're sick and tired of complaining that we're being killed on the street. Now we're like, whatever, we're going out. And even in the workplace, I mean, I've been more vocal about race in work than I have ever been because I've been scared. But it's like, why have I been scared? You can't fire me because I say... You know and and women as well saying no i i have I'm, i've just had a child i want maternity care paternity leave you know and you've got to give it to me and if you don't i'm going to take you to court you know but again it's as you say it's very very difficult and some people are not as educated or don't have the the economic means or the information to do it and so i think also Letting everyone know that they can do this too, like in your position, what you're doing, you know. Well, that's you, what this platform. You can do it too. Your platform is
2: great for this, you know. Like, you know, you're, that's what exactly what you're doing here is, is, you know, by leading yourselves, by creating, and you know, not being afraid to to ask difficult questions, to, you know, ask people to to confront those questions themselves. You know, you're confront, you're doing that work. For yourself you're letting yourself out you're taking responsibility or you know what i mean it's like that it, it's all one big su- like cycle it's all one big you know yeah. hamster wheel
1: honestly i feel so so inspired and, yeah, and so learned me and
2: so, such
1: a exactly inspiring ah just I was having such a bad day. And now listening to you speak and just the ideas and solutions that you have and the honesty that you hold and with everything that you say. is well, so listen, incredible. they are
2: ideas. They are not the, the gospel. I, they are literally yeah. just kind of, you know what flows out of sure. my brain right now but there's probably sure. a lot wrong in there as well but, <laughs> but Gloria, do
1: you have anything to plug is there anything that you want us to plug to our listeners they should know about the moment
2: what
0: you and your work
1: yeah
2: and what have I got coming up I have got coming up so yeah Letters to a black girl is in season two it's in just started mm-hmm. so yeah if you've been listening to that or if you haven't please get involved and um yeah follow us on our instagram at letter to a black girl and i think our twitter is um at l-t-a-b-g pod that's what it is uh, i hate twitter which is why i can't even remember what it is <laughs> um but um uh, and then um so that's season two of that so yeah listen in and subscribe and then also um Work-wise, personally, I'm um, about to start rehearsals for um, Cinderella. Ooh, uh, yeah. I'll be playing the Godmother.
0: Black Cinderella. Wow.
2: Black- well, I'm the Godmother. in Still,
0: in, I mean, just you being there, Black Godmother. Yeah.
2: I'm yeah. That's so it. that's gonna be kind of fun. So that's for Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we'll oh, wow. um, That's a big at, gig. yeah. We'll be at oh, the Gillian Lin. Wow. Um, where were you,
1: Nala, in The Lion King? Because I've seen it three times. Oh my god. I probably so, saw you potentially. I,
2: 2008 to 2010, I was yeah.
1: Nala. It's very like because I saw when I was younger, around yeah, yeah. And amazing. so,
2: and all the promo and stuff so was cool. sort of kind of me for the last, well, they've just changed it. Yes, yeah. I've so, seen you, yeah, yeah. All the I have old, seen promo. You. I have seen
0: you, yes, I have, I have, yeah.
2: It's kind yeah. of really cringy to see that. You're like, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: the I've seen it three times, so yeah, amazing. I love it.
2: Love well, it. yeah, so yeah, that's uh, so Cinderella's at the Gillian Lynn. Um, I think we start well oh, previews June the 25th mm-hmm. uh, and then like press night at some point in July but yeah so come and see that it's a different um, different version it's the godmother but it's not a Whitney Houston godmother she's yeah. she's a bit twisted so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah so that's me they ain't on your mind don't you let
1: them You put the plug in and it's sucky, sucky Electric just a pop it, pop it Pop it, pop it Jelly run it, run it You bring the fire just a bunny, bunny Party shotting and you done it, done it We're crying and you turn it, turn it Turn it, turn it, turn it